Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 30th of January 2011, entitled God's Work of Creation, Physical and Spiritual, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, I invite you to stand with me this evening as we take a reading from Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a, of a tree-yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. To every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, 
and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that we can now look into it this time this evening. And, Father, we depend upon your spirit, Lord, to take and give us understanding. We pray that you would speak to hearts this evening. We pray that you would encourage and challenge and do the work that needs to be done in each and every life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We began this morning with the thought of God's work of creation, physical and spiritual. And of course, as we looked at those things and we looked at the God that we were speaking of, and we looked at the state of disorder that all was in with its confusion, its emptiness, its darkness, we looked and saw that God had a purpose in all of it. We saw also the Spirit at work as the Spirit of God himself moved upon the face of the waters. And I'd like to direct your attention this evening now as we continue to the next verse in your Bible, and that's verse 3. Notice the first three words of that verse says, And God said. What did he say? He said, in this case, let there be light. And there was light. We'll find these words repeated throughout, but what I want you to notice is, and God said, and there was. God said it, and it was. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. The book of Hebrews chapter 4. And in Hebrews chapter 4, you'll find in verse 12 of that chapter, the Word of God says, for the Word of God is quick. Again, it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word. We find that in Genesis chapter 1, it says, God said it, and it was. The Bible itself tells us that God's Word is alive, and it's powerful. He tells us that it's so sharp that it can cut that within that nothing else can cut. Man certainly has no way to be able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit. Man has no way to be a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But the Bible says that God's Word has the power to be able to do that. You find also in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. The Word of God tells us that the grass withereth and the flower fadeth. They're beautiful when they're there. He says, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. All of the things that we see around us, that we've read about in God's creation, the problem is that everything has it in his end at some point. Because of sin entering this world, the curse of death is upon everything. The things that we look around, no matter how beautiful that they might be, they're only there for a limited amount of time. But the Bible says the Word of God is timeless, that it will stand forever. Nothing will ever take it away. Nothing will ever change it. Men may try to take it away. And men may even try to change it as far as in 
his own interpretations of it. But God's word never changes. It becomes man's word when man takes it upon himself to make it say what he wants it to say. But God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, just as our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and in verse 5, the word of God says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. The Bible says that man has a choice, but that they willingly are ignorant of the fact that it was God's Word that brought creation about in the beginning. They willingly are ignorant that by the Word of God, the heavens were of old. The Bible says, God said, and it was. Man tries to come up with all other kinds of reasons for why it was and it is. First Peter chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Listen, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You see, in the beginning, God created everything that is. And it was by the power of his word that when he spoke, it was. Nothing came into existence, as we saw this morning, without an act of God. God did the moving upon through the Holy Spirit, and he still does that. The fact is, is this because that man is willingly ignorant to accept what God did in the matter of creation? It doesn't change the fact that it was. And what we find is that second creation, the new creation that we talk about in the spiritual birth, the Bible says, for I am a new creature. I am a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In the old creation, God spoke. And it was his word and the power of his word that brought it into existence. May I say to you today that in the second creation, in the new creation, in the spiritual creation, that there is absolutely no way that anything will ever have life and have spiritual life without God's Word. God's Word. It's the power that it has that nothing else in all of the world can do. Look back into the last book of your Bibles in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. Revelation, chapter 19. And notice what it says in verse 13. This is speaking of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. Matter of fact, begin reading in verse 11. It says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sitteth upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Verse 13 says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. God's Word is eternal. God's Word created all that is. God's Word is the only thing that can bring life spiritually 
to any human being. And we see that as we look forward to that day when he returns for us, that it's his word, the word of God, alive, that will come back to judge all of mankind. At the earthly creation, God said, let there be light. That's all he had to say. Let there be light. And the Bible says, and there was light. Why does a lost world have trouble comprehending that? There may be some out there that will eventually listen to this over the Internet and say, that guy's crazy. How can somebody actually believe that? <laughs> because my God is big enough. You see, either their God is too small or they have no God at all. The only one and true God, that is the power of the God that we serve. The God that created and put us here in the first place. The God that gives us that spiritual life that we might live with him for all of eternity. I won't go back and repeat this morning's, but the simple truth is that our God in his creation he had a, a purpose for creating all things natural. He has a purpose for creating all things spiritual. God has a purpose for your life, and he has a, a purpose for my life. The spiritual creation can only come into being by the power of the Word of God. Psalm 119, which speaks so much of God's Word. And it says in verse 130 of that chapter, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You see, man can be willingly ignorant. The simple truth is the natural man cannot understand the spiritual things. But we know from God's Word that once God gives us that spiritual understanding, we can understand and know that our God is so powerful. And the Word of our God, just as it spoke the world into existence in the beginning, today faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And there's only one way that a man can be saved, for by grace are you saved through Faith, believing God. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. You know, you can walk into a dark room. And if there is no light in that room, then you won't be able to see anything. The darkness is there. But what about if someone turns on the light and suddenly everything is visible, everything that you could not see before because of being in darkness? When that light is turned on, you've got one of two choices you can look around at what you're now able to see that you could not see before, or you can close your eyes, and even though the light is shining, you can close your eyes and be just like a blind man, and you can be willingly ignorant if you so desire. If God turns the light on in your life, are you going to close your eyes? when he's giving you the light to be able to see the truth, we find that all that was created in the beginning, it was created by an act of God as the Spirit of God moved upon it. And it was created by the speaking of God's Word. The power of his Word is what brought life and brought all that is into existence. 
And just as surely today, by an act of God and God's Spirit moving upon you and the power of the Word of God, that you can have spiritual life and that that new man, that new woman, that new person can be created that he spoke of in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that we read this morning. So we see as we compare the two creations, we see the state of disorder, we see the spirit at work, and we see the speaking of God's word. But I want to show you something else in the next two verses. As we look at verses 4 and 5 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now I'm going to say something here that's totally irrelevant to the point that I'm about to make, okay? But it's important because we see here this is the first day coming to an end. Now, many that may find themselves to a point where they say, okay, well, maybe, maybe there's a God out there. They may even come to the point to accept that he is there. And they may even come to the point to actually come to believe that, yes, it was an act of God that created everything. But then we have so many that would try to fit that into men's theories that have never been proven that have all kinds of holes and gaps in them. So they try to say that, well, that day wasn't really a day. Some would try to fit their millions and billions of years in there. Some would try to fit their thousands of years in there. And some would just simply say that, well, it doesn't say a 24-hour day. Some would even go as far. And I'm saying this to help you. Some would even go as far. God bless them. Some of them are our brothers and sisters in Christ. That it says a day, but it doesn't really mean a 24-hour day because it could be any length day. Well, I want to say to you, the Bible does say a day. No, it doesn't say 24 hours, and they, you know, they can divide them anyway. Our clocks haven't always had 24 hours on it. But I can tell you this, however many hours they divided it into, it wasn't a 1,000 years. It certainly wasn't a million years. Matter of fact, it wasn't even two days. It was one day. And it's not just the word day there, but notice the Bible in every one of these cases where it talks about the day, it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Here on the first day, God divided the light from the dark. God is the one that created the day, however many hours we want to divide it by. There's one morning and there's one evening in here that makes the day of creation. And so however many hours that you want to make that, it's what we call a 24-hour day. Why do we have to take away from God's Word? We're certainly not adding to it. He said the first day, the day that he had divided the light and the dark, the day that was an evening and a morning that were the first day. I don't charge anything extra for that. The point that I want you to see here is that in these verses, God not only spoke the light into existence, but notice also not only the speaking of his word, but the separation from darkness. <laughs> you see, God spoke the light into existence, but it was God himself, the Bible says, that separated the light from the dark. You know that in the natural world. You've heard me say before, light and dark cannot coexist. Thank God that we read in John chapter 1 that when the light came, the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness couldn't overcome it. The darkness couldn't overtake it. And I promise you, as sure as you're sitting there, that you go into a dark room and you take any kind of light that you want, even the smallest light, and you put it on in that dark room, 
and you tell me that you can't see the light. The darkness can never overcome the light. The light will overcome the darkness. God separated the light from the dark in creation in the natural world. He did it for a reason. But you know, just as surely in the spiritual world, God separates the light from the dark. Notice what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Now, I know, I want to encourage you this evening. And some people, some parts of the Bible, they just don't like as good as other parts. They kind of like to pretend they're not there. I want you to know that in natural creation, God separated the light from the dark. But notice what he does in the spiritual creation. He says in verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, that being the case, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God himself, after creating the light, he separated the light from the darkness. And if there's any light in your life today, it's because that God puts it there. It is an act of God. You can't make that light from within yourself and nobody else can give it to you. It'll come by the moving of his spirit and it'll come by his word. But let me tell you something. When that light comes, God separates the light from the darkness spiritually as well. The problem is if we're not careful in our Christian lives, we want the light, but we want to hang on to the darkness as well. We want God, but want to hang on to the world. The simple truth is the Bible says, hey, don't be unequally yoked together. You know, that had a very practical image when it was being spoken. I know that most of us today, when we go out and, you know, if we get hungry, we just go to the refrigerator or the cabinet if it happens to run low, we go down to the local store and we get what we need. Somebody somewhere had to farm that food. The fact is, is that they didn't always have the great John Deere tractors and things that they can jump on today and tear up their fields. But much of the work was done by animals. And it was a known fact. You know, it wasn't a good idea to yoke a a mule and an oxen together on the same job. <laughs> he didn't yoke two different animals together, a horse and an oxen, because they're not going to pull together. You're going to end up with a real mess up on your hands. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with anyone. We find that he goes to great detail here. But how can these things have anything to do with each other? In the spiritual creation, God wants the light and the darkness separated. And he tells us that it's our responsibility not to yoke ourselves with the darkness, which is anyone or anything. That doesn't mean, you know, it's hard for us sometimes, I know. We're supposed to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And yet we're supposed to come out from amongst them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. How, how can we do both at the same time? We've covered that ground before. Folks, we live in a world where we don't have to be a part of that world. We don't have to participate in that world. You have lost friends? Well, the simple truth is, is that what is your object? 
Do you want to participate in their life? Or do you want them to know the same light that you've been shown? Yes, we love them. And yes, we're not playing games. There's no ulterior motives here. If you really care about anybody, and if you know that they're lost, they're, they're not prepared to meet God, that they haven't experienced this spiritual birth, then you're not doing them any favors by pretending that everything is just okay with their life as it is. You may face some rejection. You may face some shunning. But you need to let your light shine because they're in darkness. Don't expect them to understand. They're in darkness. But you've been given the light. The light and the darkness are supposed to be separate. When you go out into that dark world, you should be lighting the world, not the world putting your light out, not your light growing dimmer. Your light needs to be shining bright. So in natural creation, we see that as we look at Genesis chapter 1, as we compare that to the new birth in the New Testament, we see the state of disorder. We see the Spirit at work. We see the speaking of God's Word. We see the separation from darkness. I want you to notice something else. In Genesis chapter 1, look down just a few verses to verses 11 and 12. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the true yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good. The evening and the morning were the third day. You know, it's interesting. Even as you look at all that modern science knows today, do you know that you can't take two different kinds of life and you can't put them together, and that life ever reproduce again. You could physically take and put them together, but the offspring of that will never be able to reproduce again unless it's of its own kind. We find that as we look here that the thing that was being pointed out here is the seed of fruit bearing in creation, the seed. Note the fruit bearing is always an outcome. God created the life. But that light, that life had a seed that brought forth more life. And you can apply that to the plant world or you can apply that to the animal kingdom or you can apply it to humans. And yes, I make a distinction there too. Most modern science just throws the humans in with the animals. There's things in common, but you don't find God breathing into those animals and then becoming a living soul. Human beings are different, but the fact is in all of life, it can only be reproduced if there's some kind of seed. But you see, the fruit, it is the result of a condition, not an effort, it's not something that it can make itself do. It is the result of being what it is and being healthy. It's the result of what we are. God designed and spoke it to be, and it was. Spiritually, God was the one that said that each living thing would bring forth fruit after its kind. Spiritually, the same thing applies. We've just recently looked, and you can turn back there again this evening to Galatians chapter 5. If physically in the natural world that we're supposed to be bringing forth fruit after our own kind, what about Galatians chapter 5? 
Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, that which is a natural outcome of the Holy Spirit truly being in your life and being in control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. You see, spiritually, there ought to be fruit that's being brought forth after its own kind. We find that you look back into the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and notice what it tells us there in verse 5 of that chapter. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Jesus speaking said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You see, in creation, God created in all of the natural world. He created that life would bring forth after its own kind, the fruit from the seed that was there. I'm saying to you spiritually, the same truth applies. The Bible says that if we abideth in him and him in us, the same, same bringeth forth much fruit. Pastor, what kind of fruit is it talking about there? Well, I believe the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ that lives within us. I believe that fruit will be seen in the fruit of the Spirit if he is there. If he is in control, that will come forth from our lives. But I believe we're right, too, in the fruit that there ought to be some offspring. There ought to be others that come to know that new spiritual life because of the seed that is within us. It ought to bring forth more fruit in our witnessing is that light is shared. So we see that just as we see around us in creation, we see that state of disorder. We see the Spirit of God at work. We see the speaking of God's Word and the power that's in it. We see the separation of the light and the darkness. We see the seed of fruit bearing. Notice what he says next in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, we see another likeness in the two, two creations. Remember, we've already said that he spoke the light into existence and he separated the light from the darkness. But notice here, there's something else about that light beginning in verse 14. He says, and God said... Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule by day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. You see, it wasn't just a created just to be there and be a light. It was created to shine upon this earth. And God put them in place by day and by night. You know, it's amazing. With all science has learned about our sun and our moon and how it affects our, our days and our seasons and all of these different things, the Word of God, everything that God said, has always rung true with everything that they found. God created light in the beginning. But here we find God hanging that light, the sun, the moon, the stars. And he put them there to shine upon this earth. You see, 
the position of the light is very important. God hung them there to give light upon the earth. And I believe that if you look with me spiritually, there's a couple of truths that correlate with that. First of all, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, the first epistle of John, chapter 1 and verse 5. The Word of God says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and in verse 12, the Word of God tells us there, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. <laughs> he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. There's a couple of things there. I want you to recognize that the Word of God teaches us clearly that God is light. Jesus is light. He is the light of the world. We find that not only does it tell us that, but notice what he says in relation to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. God is the light. Of course, Jesus is God. Jesus is the light of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, the Word of God says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Our natural state is in one of darkness. You know, one of the amazing things when you come to see the truth of the gospel and what God has done for us, most people find it absolutely amazing. Why did I not see that before? Why did it take me so long to see that? Because you're in darkness. Don't feel alone. Every human being has been in that same place when they were in darkness. But we find that it's through the gospel that light is shined into our hearts. And he says he shines into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's only through the light. You can't see that as long as you're engulfed in the darkness. God has shined into our hearts spiritually but we're to allow that light to shine through us to others. We sang that song earlier. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, this is where that those words are taken from. In Matthew chapter 5, notice what it says beginning in verse 14. Now remember, back up, God is light. Jesus Christ is light. It's through the gospel that that light shines into our hearts. And then notice what it says here in verse 14. Ye, speaking to the Christians, ye are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. But once Jesus comes into your life, and when Jesus is alive in you, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid said before. You know, you take a city like the city that we live in, 
if you go miles and miles down the motorway, as soon as you get within horizon sight of where that, that, that city comes into your line of sight, you can see where the city's at because of the light that's shining into the air. Now, of course, here he's speaking, you take that same city and you set it on a hillside. You're not going to hide it. You're not going to hide it. You're going to see it. He says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Have you ever had the power go out? You had to light a candle in order to light with? Well, you wouldn't light that candle and then stick something over top of it. You normally try to get it up as high. When you use candles all the time, that's what you have a candlestick for, to hold it up to where that, that light is shining forth as far as possible. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Folks, when God created the natural world, he hung the sun and the moon and the stars there to shine forth onto this world to light the natural world and the spiritual world just as surely. Once that light is shown into your life and then he takes up residence within you, you become a light. And just as he placed those stars and the sun and the moon and the firmament in the heavens to shine forth on this world. He's put that light within us. And he's placed us to shine forth onto this world, to let our light so shine, he said, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. They need to see that light in you and I. We find that we need to use the light that we have while we have it. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, notice what he says, beginning in verse 35. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. There's no promise that that light will be there tomorrow. I don't say that to scare you. I'm saying that God says, while the light is there, now is your opportunity, while you see, to become a child of the light, to become a child of God. He says, while you've got the light, because the darkness has come, and once the darkness comes, you won't know where you're going. While you have the light, while you can see it, while you can see him, believe in the light so that you can be a child of the light. You see, in God's creation, I said this morning, it's one of those neat things, one of those amazing things in the Bible when you begin to look and look at all that God did in creating this natural world. And then look at what the New Testament teaches us about God creating that spiritual life within us. Look at how God works. It's the work of God that created everything that is. And that same God that created this world, that created and gave you life in the very beginning or you wouldn't even have an existence, that same God because your sin brought death onto that life, and that's not what he wants for you. Spiritually, he's offering you life. Spiritually, he wants you to be created new, a new creature, a new creation in Jesus Christ. 
You know what? I like this, and this is the last one. There's probably some more in there, but this is the last one. You see, we've seen as we compare the two creations, God's work of creation in the physical and the spiritual world, we see the state of disorder until the Spirit of God moves upon it, until the speaking of God's Word comes forth, the separation from the darkness, the seed bearing fruit, the shining of the light. And I like this one even though I, I find it even harder to grasp sometimes. And yes, I used another S to help you remember the similitude. You know what a similitude is? The similitude of God, the image of God, the likeness of God, being made in His similitude, just like Him. Notice back in Genesis chapter 1, Notice what he says to us down in verse 26 to 31. He says, And God said, Let us, that's another thought altogether, let us, all of the Godhead, make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat." to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God created the animal life, but most importantly, he created man. Male, and female. That was the climax. Oh, that was the high point. He created everything else first. Then he created the man and the woman. We see that when he did that, he did it in his own likeness. Like him. I'm saying to you, just as sure as we're sitting here tonight, the same thing is true in the spiritual creations, in Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You and I, at the new birth, we put on a new man that's created in the image of him. Spiritually, God's and man's ultimate satisfaction will finally be realized. And one day we have those glorified bodies that sin has not tainted and will truly be perfected in his likeness. When once again, before that sin entered in and sin brought the curse to his creation, dominion and authority came after we had been made like him. That same is going to be true. God's purpose will be fulfilled. In Revelation chapter 20 and in verse 6, the Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, 
but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years, the Bible says. I'm saying not just subjectively, not just spiritually, but literally God's purpose will be fulfilled and we will reign upon this earth for a thousand years with him. And folks, that's after you've got your glorified body. That's after you're made back into his image that we lost there in the garden because of sin. God's purposes will be fulfilled. In the beginning, God created everything that is he created. That God created man in his own image. The God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our heart. I want to ask you this evening, how about yours? You see here this evening, if that light has shined in your heart, well, you've got cause to rejoice. Thank God for it. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. <laughs> he doesn't do just a quick remodel. He doesn't try to spruce up the old. He creates new. I wonder. Has the Spirit of God, just as he moved upon the waters there in the first creation, has he moved upon your heart? I wonder. A very simple question. You see, you're living one of two places today. In the light or in the darkness. Can't have both. The two are separated in the light or in the darkness. Has God's light shined into your heart through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you? You see, that's what Jesus came for, to die, to shed his blood to be put into that grave in the third day to come out triumphant over death because he died for you and he rose again the third day for you that you might have life just like him. Has God allowed you to see that? Has God shown you that in your life? One of the questions, have you used the light that God has given you. If God has allowed that light to shine into your heart, have you used it while it's there? Because the Bible says you need to use it while it's there because darkness can come again. The light won't always be there. And of course, if that light has shined, Christians, not to make you feel bad, you want to rejoice in your life? You want to be happier than anything this world can do to make you happy? You want to really feel fulfilled with your life? You want to really know that your life has purpose? You're not going to find it in the nightclubs and the bars and the places of this world. I wonder. You see, God has a purpose in your life. And as he's let that light shine into your life, God has put you here to shine forth on this world. Is your light shining? How much of the likeness of God do the people around you see in you? One day, hallelujah, 
One day we know that as his children, we will be just like him. Wow. One day when we're like him, we're going to reign with him. One day we're going to know true perfection. But in the meantime, we should be being conformed into his image day by day by day. That's what the power of the Word of God will do in our lives. The simple thought is Christians, when people look into our lives and when they see us, do they see a clear picture of Christ? Or do they see something that's kind of blurred and smeared and dirty? How clear a picture do others see of Christ in your life? And again, I don't say that to be mean. As your pastor this evening, I say that because God has given you the light and he's made you a light. Ye are the light, he said. Let your light so shine. God has put you in place to shine forth on this world. Do you want your purpose in life to truly be fulfilled? Then the more you can be made into his image and the brighter your light will shine, you'll know a, a fulfillment, a joy, a peace, something this world can never give you. And no matter what the world says, they can't take it away from you. You know where you are. You know where you're going. And you know that your life is accomplishing something for eternity don't let the world put that light out. Don't let them even make it glow less. Don't let them dampen what God has done in your life. This evening, we're going to sing for our closing hymn, the great old hymn, I Surrender All. You know, if we sing that as a prayer this evening... If you're here and you're not a Christian, you've got to be willing to surrender everything to him. You've got to be willing just to give up on the one that created you. You know, I have absolutely no idea why God gave me this message for today. I do know that God knew everybody that would be here though I didn't. God knew what we needed. Maybe this evening, God is just trying to speak to you. He's trying to say, while the light's there, while the light is there, will you believe in the light? Will you believe in the light? Will you accept it? You'll believe something this evening. Preacher, how do I believe? We all believe something. You know what? Depending upon what we believe is how we will live our lives. We believe God. If we believe His Word, we will live accordingly. But if we believe the world, we believe what they're telling, you're going to live according to something. What are you going to trust? You will trust something. You'll leave here living some kind of a life this evening based upon what you believe. It's one thing to hear something, but if you hear something and you believe it, only then will you heed it. Is the light shining this evening in your life? Christians, you know, I don't, I don't know as a pastor. I don't know. You know, as we look around this evening, who should be in that seat beside you? Is there a lost person that you know, that you work with, that you go to school with? Is there a lost person that you could have invited to be here tonight that's not here? Is there a Christian brother or sister in Christ that's discouraged, that's downhearted? Maybe just a word of encouragement would have gone a long ways. Is your light shining? Is the image of God there? You can't change yesterday. But our lives can be different from this day forward. 
What a wonderful work of God in creation. So wonderful that a lot of the world out there can't even believe it. It's so big and grand. But he did it. And what a wonderful work of creation he did in your spiritual life as a child of God. We ought to be bragging about it. We ought to be letting our purpose be fulfilled. As we stand, as we sing together, I surrender all.